This morning we're starting a new series uh, in the gospel, or not in the gospel of John, rather, but in 1 John. And so if you have a Bible, if you want to turn to 1 John, and if you're using one of the Bibles in the, the pew rack or in the chair in front of you, if you want to turn to page 1021, you'll be on the right page where we'll be this morning. Over the last few months, I think actually just sort of since the election ended, I, I began noticing I was getting a lot of what I guess you'd call sort of junk phone calls uh, on my cell phone. And by my mistake, two or three times I made the mistake of answering those phone calls only to realize somebody was trying to scam me in some way, shape, or form, and so I quickly ended the call, kind of got off of it. Early Wednesday morning, I happened to be watching KTIV, and they were talking about, uh, they did a story about how those kinds of calls, those phone scam kinds of calls, have been increasing literally all across our nation and, and very much in our community. And later in the day on Wednesday, I was thinking, you know, this series on 1 John, maybe that phone scam thing might kind of work as part of my introduction. And so I went to their KTIV website hoping I could kind of find that story and use it. I couldn't find that story. Like, oh, man. But what I found out from my search on phone scams is KTIV has done a lot of stories in the last three years on phone scams that have taken place in Siouxland, all these different ways, all things that were being done to kind of rip people off. And as I sort of went through and sort of scanned that list of stories, I kind of came to the conclusion that there are people who really like to deceive others, who like to distort the truth. And one of the implications of that, one of the ripple effects of that is that leaves the rest of us sort of feeling very uneasy and uncertain and not very comfortable thinking, boy, people are out to, to get me. Now, sadly, that's not just something that happens on the phone related to money. Almost from the very start of the church, and I'm not talking about central as the church, I'm talking about the, the whole church. Very, very shortly after the Lord Jesus died on Good Friday and rose again on Resurrection Sunday and then ascended to heaven and then in Acts chapter 2 sent the Holy Spirit to kind of kick off, to birth the church very shortly after Acts 2 started. All of a sudden, there were a lot of spiritual deception and a lot of spiritual counterfeits and scams that began to, to show up. The Apostle Paul began to write about it as early as Acts chapter 20. He said, look out, it's coming. Be careful, there's those kinds of things. And that's part of the reason why we have the book of 1 John, really. Because John was concerned about similar things. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 26, he said this, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. John wrote 1 John fairly late in his life. He was probably a man perhaps in his 80s, perhaps even in his 90s. This was something he wrote near the end of the first century A.D. And, and he wrote it in part because as he had looked at life, so he kind of looked and watched people's lives. He saw that a lot of people were being deceived and, and were ending up being very confused about God, that people were confused about what does it mean to live in a vital relationship with God. And as we talked about last Sunday on Easter, if you and I are going to truly live life, we need to be in a vital relationship with God. We can't be separated from Him. We, we need Him and we need Him in our lives. And if we are confused, whether we're confused about what does it mean to even have a relationship with God, 
maybe we're confused about how do I even be reconciled to God. We're confused about that. Or we maybe have a relationship with God, but we're really confused how to live that relationship out, how that gets expressed. If we're confused on either one of those, we are in serious danger. Because if God is vital to life and you're confused about God, boy, we're in trouble. The serious spiritual damage is knocking at the door and we've got to be careful. If we are not clear about things with God, life will be much harder than it already is. Now, John didn't write, didn't just write 1 John because of the negative side of the issue, because there are people. John is wanting us to be aware. Be careful. There are scams. There are those things. Don't be deceived. But he didn't just write to say there's a problem. John also writes very much because he believes there is a solution. He was inspired in that sense by the Holy Spirit to say, instead of living a life marked by confusion, it's possible for you and I to live a life marked by confidence, by having a sense of certainty. At near the end of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he wrote these words, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. John is saying it is possible for us to have certainty. It's possible for us to have confidence in life. You know, instead of us kind of wandering around life going, I'm not sure about God, I'm not sure about how to connect with Him or how to live in relationship with Him, John is saying, I want you to know. I want you to experience everything God has for you. I want you to live in vital relationship with Him. I want you to be confident about following Jesus so that you then can be confident about helping and encouraging others to follow Jesus. Wednesday was a pretty impactful day, I'm realizing, because I'm going to tell you a story about a conversation I had on early Wednesday morning about someone that I know. And it underlined to me why this idea of confidence is so critical. Why this isn't just sort of fluffy thing we're doing to fill time from now into the summer kind of a thing. This particular person, she's a lady, has encountered something. She hadn't done anything wrong, but tragedy came into her life. And this tragedy is kind of rocking the boat of her life. And all of a sudden, I began to realize, and this is someone I, I've known their whole life, and I care for them. And I realized in the midst of their tragedy, in the boat of their life shaking, if she doesn't have confidence in God right where she's at, how is she going to get through this? At the same time, if, if all of a sudden, if she's already confused about things, or if confusion has entered into her life as she's trying to process through this, that could be devastating. This isn't a theoretical thing. You and I, if we're really going to live life... Don't have the room to have confusion. We need to have confidence. But where do we find it? Where does the confidence come from from you and I to truly live? John's desire and really our, our purpose in doing this series is to help each of us kind of, I guess I would say, see the core of what it really means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus, to kind of have some very basic things we really cling to. I think as we go through this series, there's a chance that as we go through this, some of us might realize that there 
we've bought in in varying levels to some things that are deception, and they need to go. They need to be purged from our lives. For some of us, this series might help us to realize, wow, I, I really already have confidence. I haven't been living it, but I have it, and now I can actually do this. I can begin to engage life, really live it. Instead of cowering, thinking, I don't know what to do. No, I have confidence in Christ. I can go to the edge. And I know a lot of you think I'm going to fall off. I know exactly where the edge is. But you can go to the edge because sometimes life calls you to go to the edge and you can confidently go there. For some of us, hopefully, this series is a time of great joy, realizing, God, I am so grateful to God because He kept me from some of that deception. And what I need to do is I need to be sharing with people, I need to be encouraging others to follow Jesus because look what He's offering us. 1 John, in a lot of ways, along with the book of Hebrews, they're two unique books in the New Testament in that they don't follow some of the normal patterns. They're Hebrews and 1 John are considered part of the letter section or part of the epistles of the New Testament. The problem is John doesn't follow the normal letter-writing convention conventions that you're supposed to do. Paul always did. John doesn't in 1 John. He just jumps right into the content. And the content he jumps right into are really, you could call them sources or, or maybe reasons why we can have confidence. See, John doesn't just say, be confident. He says, you have reason. There's sources of confidence that if you and I would put our arms around and embrace and be embraced by, we could have confidence so that we could live life without confusion but with confidence in God, confidence from God, confidence with God. So what are these sources? How can you and I be confident to live that way in a confusing world, realizing there's a whole lot at stake if we are confused? Source number one of the confidence that we need, the confidence we can have, is found in the person of Jesus Christ. You and I can be confident because of the Lord Jesus. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 begins, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now, in some ways, John starts out his oddly formatted letter, breaking all these conventions of letter writing, and he starts out in a way that kind of reminds us of how he started out his gospel. Okay, John chapter 1, verse 1 reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word beginning, it's in both, and it kind of takes us there. And there's a reason why in John chapter 1, verse 1, John tells us those things about Jesus. In essence, he's wanting to communicate some huge things about Jesus. He's wanting us to know that Jesus is eternal. In the beginning, He was already there. He existed. He's eternal. But not only is He eternal, He's also God the Son or Son of God. Those are huge things to know about Jesus. Those are in part tied to why we should have confidence. But when we come to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, and He says beginning, He's not thinking about that deep theology necessarily. He's not, that's not He's ignoring it. But His focus there by saying in the, or at the beginning is he's really highlighting something else about Jesus. In essence, instead of saying, hey, by beginning, I'm thinking like the very, very beginning, by beginning, he's most likely walking back to when he had a first encounter with Jesus at the Sea of Galilee. 
the first time he heard Jesus teach because he said what we've heard. He heard this. Not only is he saying that, but more than that, he's saying, hey, I was part of this group and we heard Jesus, but not only did we hear Jesus, we also saw him with our eyes. Now, you might say, why is he saying see him with his eyes? Well, because he's wanting to communicate that. He's saying, I literally saw Jesus. Okay, just like you're seeing me and I'm seeing you right now. It's kind of literally they saw each other. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a figure. I'm seeing him. I saw him. We saw him. But not only did we see him, it also says we looked upon him, which really is probably a fancy way of saying we investigated him. We checked this Jesus dude out. We went to his Facebook page. We Googled him. We creeped on Jesus. That's what it's saying, kind of a thing, if that kind of colors in the picture. But not only is he saying that, he's saying we also touched him. Okay, we were physically with him. Now, there's a reason in the backdrop because there were people living. When John's writing this, they're thinking Jesus wasn't a real person. And John is saying, he's a real person. I personally interacted with him. And when he says we and he's talking about we there, he's not just talking about himself. He's probably talking about the other disciples. He's saying, hey, there's a group of us. We lived with this dude. We know him. We were eyewitnesses to who he was. Now, real quick aside, one of our core values is we say we want to be people who trust the Bible. One of the reasons why we say we can trust the Bible is because a whole lot of the Bible, especially these letters that were written, are people that were high witnesses of Jesus. Why would I trust what John is saying? This, these words of 1 John, John isn't writing from the perspective of he and a few friends got together and said, let's think deep thoughts and then write deep thoughts. No, what he's writing about is things he actually saw and experienced. He's recording, in that sense, history. Now, verse 1 is telling us just a little bit more than that, though. It is telling us all of those things. But Jesus is also, or John is also telling us that at the end there, he uses that phrase concerning the word of life. Grammatically, that's really awkward there. And it's like, why did he say concerning the word of life? What's he doing? Well, John seems to be making a fairly emphatic statement. He's saying Jesus was this person in history that we experienced, we knew, we saw him, we touched him, we heard him, all those things. But by bringing in those words concerning the word of life, what he's telling us is Jesus is the embodiment of of this message of life. He's the embodiment of the word of life. And now that gets a little more complicated, a little more confusing to us in some ways. But he's saying, you know what? There's a reason why you and I can have confidence. And we can have confidence because Jesus is this message. Okay, Jesus shared this message. Jesus shared the word of life. But Jesus didn't just talk about the message of life or the word of life. He literally is the word of life. Because of who Jesus is as a person and because of what Jesus did, there really is a word or a message that can give us life. Now, that kind of opens the door to John needing to say, I need to say some more things. So he kind of continues in verse 2 with some repetition in some ways, but he goes on in verse 2 and says, the life was made manifest. 
and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us. John's saying this message, this thing we're going to proclaim was something that had to be manifest to us. Now, he's gone from talking about an eyewitness and saying, I'm an eyewitness. Now, he's getting a little more deeper, a little more theological, a little more philosophical, saying this had to be manifest. What's he talking about? Well, we need to understand in the background, really, of the entire story of the Bible are some significant truths we have to realize. One of those truths that John is writing aware of, we need to be aware of, is that apart from God, on our own, just you and me, nothing else, on our own, we are sinners. We are separated from God. Okay, there's a division between us, a chasm between us. We're not in a good situation. And what John wants us to understand, this amazing message that Jesus both shared and is, the only way we could know it, this eternal life thing, the only way we could know it is if God disclosed it. I was trying to come up with a really, like, cool way to say it, you know, almost poetic, and I don't do poetry really well, so just bear with me here. The only way you and I can be exposed to Jesus is if He's disclosed. You and I aren't on our own going to figure things out about Jesus. God had to make Him manifest. The Father had to send the Son, the one who is eternal life, and reveal that. Now, that's really fancy and that's kind of cool. And right now, you could be saying, well, that's some woohoo things to share. Great, I learned something very powerful. Jesus had to be revealed so I'd know him. Great. Lloyd, I I know you're supposed to say those things in church, but I'm facing some things. There's some things that are weighing down on me that are making me feel crushed. What does this woohoo theological stuff have anything to do with what I'm facing tomorrow? Maybe it's one of our students, what you're facing at school tomorrow. Maybe it's something you're facing at work tomorrow. Maybe it's something you're facing in your extended family. Please understand, John is telling us these things because the words of verse 1 and verse 2 actually have everything to do with what you're facing. What does verse 1 tell us? Verse 1 tells us that Jesus was a real person who lived among us, And then verse 2 is telling us that this Jesus came from God and He comes with eternal life. Now consider this. If you hear the story of Jesus, you hear that He came and that He died and that He rose again and He did all of those things so that you could be reconciled to God, and you respond to that by trusting Jesus as your Savior, all of a sudden, what does that mean? That means you are connected to eternal life. That means you are now in relationship with Jesus Christ. That means eternal life is in you. The power of the resurrection is in you. 
you may be facing some things that feel like you're being crushed. Yes, we will probably undoubtedly all experience those things. And it's like, how can I live when the weight of the world literally is taking me down? You and I can live that way because if we've trusted Christ, in John chapter 16 and verse 33, he tells us he's overcome the world which means the power and the person, the one who did overcame the world, is where, if you've trusted Christ, with you. You want to talk about a picture of confidence? How can I be confident? Because if I've trusted Christ, then the person of Christ is literally with me. I'm not alone. I'm not doing this thing of life. I've got Him with me to guide me, direct me, and empower me. I don't have to be confused. I can be confident because Christ is here. Verse 2 kind of says, John was proclaiming this message, and really when we say we want to encourage other people to follow Jesus, why in all the world do we want to encourage anyone to follow Jesus? Because Jesus can give us the confidence to live life. That's not the only reason, but John wants to highlight that in our attention. Why would we share and proclaim this story about Jesus? Because he gives us what we desperately need. He gives us the confidence to actually live this thing called life. There's two more sources that really this proclaiming leads to. It really starts. It's all about proclaiming Jesus. It's all about who He is. But because of who Jesus is, there's a second and third source. And the second source is really the fellowship created in Christ. Okay, you want to have confidence. You want to really live life. You start with the person of Jesus, and then you receive from Him this fellowship thing. Look at verse 3 with me. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Again, there's some things that are forming and shaping why John is saying what he is saying. So let me just back up for a second. John is saying, we proclaim this. Well, what are we proclaiming? Well, I think when John says he's proclaiming, he's really, again, proclaiming the story of Jesus. He's telling people, Jesus came. In essence, he's telling the story of Christmas. But Jesus didn't just come. John also says, hey, we need to proclaim the fact that Jesus grew up. He grew up to to be this man who went to the cross and died on the cross in our place for our sins, and then he rose again. And John's saying we want to proclaim that, and this is where we need to understand huge about the gospel. When we trust Christ... If you look at the end of verse 3, if a person trusts the Lord Jesus, all of a sudden now you are connected, not just to Jesus, but you're also connected who? To the Father. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. To be connected means to be in fellowship. Now really quickly, just hit the pause button here for a second. We're going to come back to verse 3, but I want to hit the pause button to underline something. We talked about when Rachel was up here talking about CBC serves. There's actually a connection between that fellowship and that that I don't want us to miss this morning. Another way to translate the word fellowship is partnership. If you've trusted Christ, you literally are in partnership 
with God the Father and with the Lord Jesus. And a part of the way that partnership gets expressed, part of the way the Bible describes that partnership in places like Ephesians 2.10 is that we serve. Okay? Part of us really living as a follower of Christ, part of the confidence Jesus gives us is confidence that can get expressed in us serving. Okay, so please understand that's significant. Okay, now to unhit the pause button and go back to verse 3, kind of zoom in on verse 3, I want you to understand that our fellowship isn't just with God the Father and God the Son. Great danger of life. You and I can think it's me and God and nobody else. And I don't need anybody else. That's not what verse 3 is saying. What John seems to be saying is that some of the confidence that he receives in life comes because of the fellowship, the connection that he has with other followers of Jesus. You and I can be confident when we're connected to each other. And say, well, how does that work? How does me being connected to you really give me confidence? Because the honest truth is you're kind of a screw-up. So why would that give me confidence? Well, let's just suppose, and I think I've seen this happen more than once. Let's imagine, and for some of you, this isn't imagining. A number of you in this room have lost a loved one. That is one of the more difficult things in all of life to experience. And perhaps in that experience you're having, you have seen God do some things and minister to you and touch you. And let's just suppose in a conversation you just simply said I really struggled here but God showed up and did this here do you realize what you've just given to the other person you've given them whether they're in the exact spot you're in or not you've given them some gift from God You've given them a source of confidence. God showed up and touched you. Maybe God can show up and touch me and it draws us back to who we are in Christ. It draws us back to the person of Christ and what we can have. I believe based on the authority of God's word and not on any authority I have because I don't have any Fellowship is an incredible gift from God to us, but it's also a huge challenge. I'm an introvert. Part of what that means is is I struggle liking people, to be honest. You scare me. And because you scare me, there's things I do that make fellowship harder for me. It's like it's an underutilized gift in my life. You know, we can avoid fellowship for all kinds of reasons. We can simply allow busyness. We can allow past hurts from other relationships to kind of, hey, I went there once and it didn't go well, so I'm not going there again. We can allow our distorted or our bent to want privacy. Or if you're English, privacy. Privacy. Or quite honestly, we can allow our pride, our stubbornness to get in the way of receiving the gift. 
Folks, one of the things I think we need to pray for for each other is that we would open ourselves up to fellowship. You see, part of the reason John is telling us that the gospel is proclaimed isn't just so that we would be reconciled to God and we're good now. It's proclaimed in part so that we join together around each other, together around Christ, and give each other confidence. So I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to think about how are you spending your time. And I am not saying you need to spend every minute of your life with other followers of Christ. I am not saying that. But what I am saying is we need to have in our lifetime with followers of Christ where our conversation is probably at least some of the time, a lot of the time, connected to talking a little bit about God and maybe how God is touching our lives right now so that we can share that with each other, so we can receive the confidence He has for us. You want to be confident and live life rather than be afraid and in confusion? Start by turning to the source of the Lord Jesus. And then turn and also receive from Him the source of the fellowship that He creates for us. And then the third source, the third thing John draws our attention to is that we actually have complete joy in Christ. Verse 4 simply states, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John wants us to understand that the gospel, the, the story of Jesus and being connected to the person of Jesus really are meant to give us joy. Part of what he's saying is, hey, when he shares the message, when we are involved in encouraging others to follow Jesus, there's a deepening joy that comes in our lives. There's something about embracing the message about Jesus so that we actually trust Jesus and we receive this eternal life so he's with us and, and we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son and with other followers of Christ. All of a sudden, we have joy. It comes into our lives. It's there. It's available. But you might be wondering, okay, I've got joy, but how does that help me live confidently? Well, really quick, I just want to read a verse from Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. I think it ties it together, at least for me. It says, and he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, but notice this, for the joy of the Lord is what? is your strength. Now, to set it in context, the people that Nehemiah is talking to that are there, they had been ignoring God for a long time. And so in Nehemiah chapter 8, they gather, and basically they gather and have an eight-hour or six-hour sermon. And in the midst of the six-hour sermon, they find themselves being brought to an incredible point of conviction. Now, the point of the six-hour sermon wasn't just to bring people to conviction. We need that in our lives. I don't deny that. But really, it wasn't just to convict them, but it was to let them see the incredible salvation that God offers. I mean, here's an amazing thing. Even though you and I can ignore God, even though you and I can wander away from God, which the Bible tells us we do, that God... He's willing to offer us life. He's willing to offer us salvation. He's willing to give us that. 
And Nehemiah and Ezra who are involved in this are saying, see that. Don't just be grieved. Don't just mourn. Don't just wail. See the incredibleness of the salvation. You say, well, why should I see the incredibleness of it? Because a part of what God gives us in that is he gives us joy. And the joy he gives isn't just a happy feeling to cover over your grieving. It's not just to whitewash it or paint over it. No, the joy he gives us is a joy that is meant and intended to give us the strength to stand up when everything is pushing us down. It's meant to give us confidence. You know, really quickly, and I, this might have been on Wednesday too. I guess this is all I did on Wednesday. I don't know. It wasn't all I did, I don't think, but it was part of Wednesday morning. I, I quickly scanned some websites that talked about how important confidence is in life. And I found something that was a little odd in some of these websites because it'd be like the website would say, well, if you're not confident, be confident. Like, if I'm not confident, how can I be confident? How did, like, that doesn't, like, you telling me, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever done this. Someone's tense, and you go up to them and say, relax. How well does that go over? I mean, it's the same kind of, you're asking me to do something I'm unable to do. John, in a sense, is telling us to be confident. But he's not saying just be confident. He's saying, here's how you can be confident. Here's why you can be confident. You and I can be confident if we would embrace the person of Jesus Christ. The one who is the message of eternal life and the one who makes it possible. Embrace Him. Receive, trust Christ. Come to know Him. That gets us started and then kind of a layer out from that. We can also get confidence by being in fellowship with other followers of Christ. Christ creates for us a family to give us confidence. And then another layer out, it's here's my joy. Have the strength. Folks, we live in a world that is marked by deception, that's got a lot of distortion in it. And honestly, and though we didn't talk about them today, we will talk about them as this series unfolds, a deceiver who is the enemy of our souls. That makes life confusing. That makes life difficult. But John is saying, folks, it really is possible, instead of living life cowering in a corner in confusion and fear, it's possible to stand up and to live with confidence because of who Jesus is and because of what he gives us. Folks, it is my prayer that you receive from Jesus everything he is offering. Jesus is calling us today to live confidently. Would we hear his voice? And would we trust him for that? Would you pray with me? Father, I am grateful to you for the love that you share, a love that transcends anything that we've ever known. And yet, Lord, the funny thing is, we often run from it. We often lose sight of it. Lord, you know very well that the lives that we're all looking at, you know what is going to unfold as this week starts today and what this next week has in front of us. We may be feeling enormous weights. We may be feeling enormous challenges. 
but you are offering us the gift of confidence. And I pray, Lord, I pray for myself. I pray for my family. I pray for our church family. We would receive from you what you're offering. That we wouldn't try to be confident just trying to rally ourselves. That we wouldn't hide in a corner being confused. But we would embrace what you have for us so that we could actually engage in life in the confidence that you give us. Lord, thank you for the amazing gifts of salvation and life. I pray now we'd receive them and I pray we would live them. That's why you gave them. Thank you that you desire to lead us there. May we follow you confidently. In your very precious and powerful name, Lord Jesus, we pray.